0: of the natural hat trick podcast alongside the always working hard jamie eisner and the always smiling craig morgan i'm the always responsible luke lipinski not <laughs> sure any of those are true well, actually
1: they might be true if we move them
0: all all over one
1: yeah we're one of those things maybe yes. okay that's I mean, you decide you have to figure out which tweet point. at luke lipinski we're gonna do uh no don't do that
0: just, we're, just in general we're going to um we're gonna preview the new york rangers today and we are going to preview the Las Vegas team that doesn't have a name yet today. So we're going to get a something kinda, nights. Yes, we're going to go a little off the uh, off the the normal path that we've been going down. But it's going to be fun to, to kind of get insight into that market in Las Vegas, and then certainly we'll preview a Rangers team that I don't fully understand. But let's uh, let's start with some news and notes. And uh, I know Craig wants to get on the soapbox here for something. Craig, so, are you first, sitting down? First, let's get Huberto out of the way. Is that an insult, Jonathan Huberto... <laughs> signed he's with the panthers forever uh we alluded to this last week this is why the panthers traded Lawson Krause; they needed the money to sign jonathan Hubert. Yep, get and rid of dave
2: boland's contract you free up some of they have plenty of work to do this offseason still if you look at their contract situations and now they're doing it yep. so you get him uh, make uh, again it makes sense to me this this move they knew they want to do this all along so moving dave boland's contract was the Paramount. key it was, it was it started the avalanche
0: wow Referencing a, a team that defeated them in the Stanley Cup 20 years ago. Joe Pavelski? He's tie-ins. Captain of uh, Team USA at the World Cup of Hockey, which, oh, by the way, the— Are we calling them expansion games? The games that aren't really games yet in the tournament start this week. Would those
1: be exhibition games? I
0: guess, but it, the whole tournament's like an exhibition. Expansion games? Not, or not expansion. But the whole tournament is an exhibition, so can you have exhibition games for— Can they be pre-exhibition games? I don't yeah, know. I don't, know. It's
1: called, yeah, I don't even know what you'd call them.
0: Either way, they start play on uh, Thursday right up against Thursday Night Football. So. Oh, guess what? I
1: will not be watching.
0: Wow. I, you know what? Jamie's going to come around. No, I, I, I'm not. You, you're you're going to watch some World Cup hockey. I will,
1: I will watch zero seconds of World Cup hockey. What an odd stance to take for somebody that loves hockey. I was in the office the other day with, with one of our social media uh, interns, for lack of a better phrase. Okay. Because uh, I don't know if we call them an intern or what, what we call them. We pay everybody, so they're not like free labor. So I guess employees, kind of maybe. Yeah, like I whatever. Think that part's not important. When you're paying somebody to work for you, they're normally called an employee. Normally, but you know, normally, but we'll see. Okay. And I said the kind of same thing. I was going to watch a zero seconds World Cup of hockey, and she said, "Well, it's hockey." And I said, "She got there." It's not really. It it is, but it's not. It means nothing. It doesn't count for anything.
2: Well, I think it counts don't care for who wins. Canada. I mean. It always counts for Canada. Yeah. yeah. But, but the, if they win and it's boring, it's, so what? Yeah,
1: who cares? It's not the Olympics. They're supposed to win. It's not the World Juniors. It's not the World Championships. We, we've got a, we have got enough international tournaments that we care about. Uh, I don't need another one.
0: But there are a lot of – I mean, a lot of the very best players are playing. now. I, I know a lot have pulled out as well. But it, to me, it's it's a, may potentially – a step up from the world championships because generally in the world championships the players in the playoffs aren't playing but the format lends itself to Canada just winning because the championship is a best of three and there isn't a round of eight where there's single elimination so there's only going to be one game where Canada faces a single elimination where they could be eliminated because I know the storyline is hey anything could happen if you get a hot goalie no the team that plays Canada in the semifinals has to have a hot goalie that night or else Canada's just winning hmm. also and it's being I,
1: played in Canada oh look at that huh I just cannot trust any international tournament that gerrymanders its rosters. Wow, look at that! So this is this you're is talking about Team North taking?
2: America and Team Europe?
1: Yeah, or yeah, Team Under 23 and yeah. That's, I, but yeah, that's, so so what, so, but, so are are you rooting for your country? Are you yeah, rooting for the young guys? That's weird to me because it,
2: it blurs that whole thing of allegiances. Which, by the way, I think we need to get to in humanity at some point. We need to forget about borders and look at ourselves as one this one one happy world. people. Can you edit? Uh, yes. John Lennon imagine into the background here Jamie imagine
0: all No this no no, no. actually but, John Lennon not oh you Oh boy it, and this isn't even Craig on for the, the soapbox yet
2: <laughs> he's just climbing up onto the soapbox Well we're we're still talking about the World Cup of hockey so I have no soapbox to climb up on here I'm looking forward to watching Team North America That's the one team I'm curious about too I have no idea what to expect from them They're ridiculously talented they're ridiculously young as Dave tip What was his phrase? He didn't, oh, I got to go look this up so yeah. talk for a while Luke use up some airtime Okay well that's, that's do what that's really you do best. All right <laughs> a couple backhanded compliments, and here we go. Um, I heard
0: Dylan Larkin this morning talking about how, how that group wants to win. You know, it's it, there is this sort of talk from a lot of the camps. It'll be fun to go out there and play and kind of get a tune-up for the regular season. Now, obviously, Canada has to win. Otherwise, Canada's going to boycott this tournament the next time <laughs> it comes around because this is really only there for them to showcase themselves. But Team North America, I think, is going to be – the team that everybody sort of gravitates to because look there's canadian players on it as well so even fans in canada are going to be polling for them i mean i would assume in canada they want a canada against team north america championship
2: it is funny team north america right it's team u.s and canada yeah yes that's, that's i don't right. see Nobody any mexican counts. nationals on this team not this year well, but who knows? are any of those caribbean nations actually part of north america it's sad that i don't know this about my yeah, own th- continent th- th- is, that, is, that, is that geographically part of us or part of South America. It depends I Depends think on the nation. Kind of split, so yeah. like Cuba, there's no Cuban players on this team no. or Dominican players on but this team like that I'm aware aren't of. Aren't
0: the Virgin Islands technically North America? Yes, like yes they are. Okay.
2: Bermuda maybe? So if Tim Duncan wanted to play, he yeah. could play. He could, he's, he's eligible. He is eligible. Yes, okay. okay. Dave Tippett called this team an interesting unknown underdog. That's the title we're going with. And that's that's kind of how I feel about him. I have no idea what to expect. Because on the one hand, you think the more experienced teams are... They're going to know what to do on this stage. They're, they're probably going to have more success. But this team is being billed as an underdog. The, the odds makers, I think they're ahead of only Team Europe, which isn't going to do anything because all they have is Anshik Kobitar and Poor the Czech Republic. Always- the Czech Republic, name five players on the Czech Republic. Well, we can, but yeah, your average can. fan can't. Your average fan can't name three. So they're aside from those two teams, they, they are giving the worst odds to win this tournament. For young kids, as Dave Tibbet said, who are trying to prove that their elite players in this league or those guys going into their second contracts were saying, yeah, we've arrived, they might be just a little bit more motivated than everybody else. And I think that's the big
1: point where it's the motivation factor. You have a lot of young players who come hell or high water want to win. They want to win this. This matters to them. We have a lot of veterans like, okay, I'll use this as a tune-up for the regular season. You know, it's cool to, to don my country's colors or, in the case of the younger players, my continent's colors, and, and just <laughs> go out there and just, and just skate around. But I think those young guys are like, you know what? No, we want to win this. And if the, if one team with that kind of talent is trying a lot harder than the veteran team, the veteran team's going to lose. I think they're
0: going to catch at least somebody in this tournament and maybe a couple teams. I mean, I, it wouldn't shock me at all if they were a semifinalist team because, A, they have Connor McDavid, who's supposed to be the best player at everything ever. So right there they should be the favorites to win this thing. But, I mean, he's surrounded by some some very talented players. It's not like it's just Connor McDavid and then a bunch of guys in their early 20s. I, I heard Seth Jones getting interviewed about it earlier today. You forget that Seth Jones is still 23 or under, and so that's a real nice piece to have on the blue line as well. Yes, I get that they're not favorites, but I
1: think they're going to do
0: a little damage.
1: And it's a young man's game now too. I mean, this is not an AHL roster that's filling out Team North America and Team Europe. I mean, these are not AHL guys. These, no. are, these are NHL players that are just high-quality young players. And The one thing I do wonder, though, is if what happens when, if and when, hopefully not, a major name gets hurt in this tournament and misses significant that's NHL a, time
2: that's always the risk imagine if it's a restricted free agent who you know albeit has insurance that insurance isn't going to cover perpetuity right yeah every player, player on really these dangerous.
0: rosters isn't signed yet yeah. and it's not even there's just one or two guys there's quite big a few. name
2: RFAs yeah. that are playing in this tournament but let's get to the other news of World Cup with Team USA right. a way to represent John Tortorella that's just a
0: Is this one of those moments where we have to say the views reflected in the next five minutes represent those of Craig Morgan and not necessarily everybody else in the podcast? What if you
1: shot block through the National Anthem?
2: That's okay. okay. You can do that. John Tortorella, in response to Colin Kaepernick's decision not to stand for the National Anthem, said, quote, if any of my players sit on the bench for the National Anthem, they will sit there the rest of the game. Well, let's I don't I don't know where to begin with that. I, 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 this is where we can why. start.
0: Most of John Tortorella's sentences end with they'll be sitting for the rest of the game. <laughs> That's true. So, so we can so no. it's, it's like, not
2: unique to, you know, as he would call them anthem buckers. It's John Tortorella <laughs> Madlibs basically.
1: Yeah, and what I want to know more importantly is which anthems are okay because the team We're just going to make up one, for, from what I understand, for Team North America and Team Europe. We're just going to make up one. But he's going to his have to so We're only really talking about the American anthem.
2: I think Drake is writing the now, anthem for Team do North America. you have to America? stand for the Canadian anthem? you have to stand for the other team's anthem? His, your job is to coach the team, John Tortorella. I don't care about your personal politics, and they sh- certainly shouldn't decide who gets on the ice and who doesn't. That has nothing to do with this process here. And, and another thing that's really bugging me, any, anything we've heard on this topic from NHL Angles... Let's ask another white player or white coach what they think. We haven't talked to any African American or black players yet to get their thoughts on this topic. Why is that? How it's just like journalists are derelict in their duty right now. You've got a bunch of players at the World Cup of Hockey. Get out there and ask them the question. Maybe it's uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's uncomfortable for them. Do your job. Ask the question because I want to know what these guys think. And it's it's not wrong for John Tortorella to express his opinion clearly. America stands for that as That's well, as, as well as Colin Kaepernick's right to sit for the national anthem. By the way, forcing someone to stand for the anthem is sort of anti-freedom, no. Anyway, what really bugs me about this is all, you don't have any idea what it is to grow up black in America. You have no idea what that experience is like. And to simply dismiss it all as whining or crying or, or looking for handouts is just absurd. I mean, I, we can, you want to just go to the research Go to the actual academic research on this topic. There's reams of it out there. Please educate yourself before you open your mouth and sound like a fool.
0: Wow. That a that was, I mean, he used the word derelict in there in yeah. terms of their responsibilities and duties. I don't know that I can follow that up other than to say that to a certain extent, and nobody could, nobody could foresee that Colin Kaepernick was going to be uh, doing this right now through the national anthems and the other people would certainly be following him. But you you do know what sort of personality you get when you make John Tortorella your coach. Now <laughs> again, sure. I mean, I'm not I'm not pinning this on USA Hockey because nobody knew that this was going to be the atmosphere when they named John Tortorella the coach. But you're right; it's such a sticky subject because he has the right to say that, but you get into that gray area where his right to infringe on somebody else's right is is.
2: Brought into play. Does he really have the right to bench his players for this? Does, how does USA Hockey feel about that? You know what? I'm not going to play that guy because he refused to stand for the anthem. Is and, USA Hockey on board with that? And would he really do it? Are Can you just you unilaterally it? deciding what USA ho- Hockey's policy is, John Tortorella? Could you imagine
0: the the storyline that would completely overwhelm the World Cup of yeah. Hockey and nobody would even talk about it? If Pick any player. I'm, I'm not picking on Joe Pavelski, putting any politics one way or the other, but he's the captain. What if he didn't stand through the national anthem and they benched him for a game that storyline would never end. I yep. mean it would be that's <laughs> yeah I don't think that's going to happen but what a story it would be
2: All right and I'm not done, a great I'm done ranting for now. this might find its way into my Sunday column as well. I think it, 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 mi- it might be should. old by then but we'll see where it goes. We'll see if anybody asks uh, you know a black player how they feel about this issue. If you it's need curious. any inspiration'm saying that's again, all opinions matter on this we should listen to all opinions. I prefer educated opinions, though, informed opinions, just because you have the right to just speak your mind, speak your opinion. It doesn't mean you're free from repercussions of saying something stupid and something uneducated, something uninformed.
0: Well, and look, however you feel about Colin Kaepernick's stance, he's uh, he's sitting and it only affects him. I mean, it affects other people because they see it, but he's not personally impacting anybody around him, whereas... Torello's stance would be a lot different. He would be telling somebody that's been training for this tournament that they're actually physically not playing in the games, if he would actually go through with it. So it is a little different. At that point, he's, you know, I'm sure if he was here, he'd say, well, I'm being forced, I'm being brought into this, but his actions would directly impact somebody right next to him. Yeah. So there's a little
2: bit of a difference there. There's so many fingers to this issue. Yeah, we could, there are, there are so we could get fingers. off on a tangent for a while. We don't have the time, but yeah.
0: Alright, then let's preview the New York Rangers. <laughs> Save that <laughs> passion for all this Mika Zibanejad talk. <laughs> uh, the Rangers are a team that plays in the are NHL. They That's a good call. Um, they consistently make the playoffs, and there was a stretch there where it looked like they might be knocking on the door of a Stanley Cup. That time seems to have passed, unless Rick Nash comes back with a 30 or a 40-goal season, and even then I think some other things uh, need to take place. But we'll just start with the simple fact that they did make that Derek Broussard trade for Mika Zvenejad, and you can take that as this team maybe trying to get younger. They have no prospects, really. I shouldn't say none, but they haven't been drafting players in the first round for the last few years. Uh, The reason Broussard is a big deal is because he was
2: the leading goal scorer on this team last year, so... Which in and of itself is a problem. Yeah.
0: Where does this team find their offense?
2: Yeah, and it's it's a fair question. You know, I've been reading a lot of the threads coming out of New York, and there's, there's this thread that they've... They're injecting youth into their lineup. They're doing what they need to do to remake the lineup. I'm I'm not convinced. I, you know, I know they made this trade. They they signed Jimmy Vesey, who was very sought after, probably because, well, he, I mean, he was a big story because he was the only story at that time of the season. Well, and for them,
0: he's their the, number one prospect.
2: There are a lot of people who feel this guy's a, a top six forward. So if he becomes that, yeah, that, that looks good. They get Brandon Peary as well. So there there's some pieces that they've added here, but... When you, when you put this all together on paper, do you feel like the Rangers have really done anything other than shuffling well, the deck?
1: Well, and this is kind of brings me to my, my thought process of, do you think this is the example of where we overuse the importance of balance? Because this li- if you look at this lineup, it's a balanced lineup, but it's a balanced lineup because there's nobody that's elite. And that's what we've been saying about the Rangers for a while, isn't it? And as the point you bring up every single time we do the show, because it matters and it's relevant... You superstars still win you cups, yeah. And f- franchise centers. centers, yeah. They're Most the perfect support, like, win you cups.
0: They're the perfect example of what balance can do for you uh, in today's NHL. It will get you into the playoffs because you are a balanced team. You don't have any huge glaring weaknesses, but you're not going to win the Stanley Cup being balanced. Not in a league where there are so many star players and more star players hitting the ice coming up. Uh, you know, through the prospect ranks or through the drafts. I mean, you look at these last couple of years where the Rangers have been trending down a little bit. They wouldn't have got Connor McDavid. But, look, Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews, and, and, you know, if you want to go even deeper, maybe Patrick Lyon, A., Dylan Strome, the next guys in those drafts have been added into the NHL pool, or they're going to be shortly, and the Rangers just kind of have a balanced team. And so a balanced team is going to get you a good regular season, and you might, you know, they are capable of beating any team, I would say, in the East in a seven-game series, but not more than one. And that's, that's a tough spot to be in, especially in New York when... I'm guessing most New Yorkers aren't content going into the, the season just knowing they're going to make the playoffs and nothing more.
1: And as much as we talk about goaltending in the postseason, when was the last elite goaltender to win a cup?
0: No, it's, it's, it's a good point. It really is. You know, the last real elite goaltender I can remember making, uh, he wasn't even elite. I mean, I just I always go back to Yaroslav Halak, what was that, 2011. They didn't win the cup, though. They just took out Ovechkin and Crosby. Yeah. And that's
1: not to say that having elite goalie is bad. It's that, that you can have an elite center— that can help take you and, and fix some of your problems, then a league goaltender doesn't always do that. You, you can know, make the I, case I, it was quick. In the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing with Jonathan Quick. I think at the time the Kings won their first cup, he was considered yeah. one of the very best in the league. So, but, but, it wasn't, but you're it right, wasn't all and by and large, it's not, it's not always on a goal. I think you need that center position more. I think you need that top blue liner more, and, and L.A. obviously had those two in Copetar in and Dowdy.
1: And because the, the sample size is so small in the postseason, and a lot of things that happen with goaltenders aren't always a direct reflection of how they're actually playing, so when a, in a seven-game series, your goaltender can play well; they can even be your best player, and still not win.
0: The the narrative on Henrik Lundqvist. I mean he he wasn't he wasn't truly elite last year. Uh, are you guys buying the? Uh the potential that maybe we're starting to see the downside of his career? I, for one, am not. He's, he's yeah. not getting a ton of help in front of him. I still, if I was starting a team just for this year, he'd be one of the first,
2: boy, probably one of the first three or four goalies I would take. I, I think I still need to see more evidence of, of Henrik Lundqvist in, in decline than I've seen so far. It's too small a body of evidence, but he's going to turn 35 this year. Now, goalies can maybe play a little longer and be effective a little longer in the NHL. So, again, I... I'm, I'm I'm with you. I'm not there yet with this guy who's done incredible things in his NHL career. I don't think guys just fall off a cliff. A lot of it relates to what's happening. No, in front not of you.
0: Especially guys like Lundquist that are so committed to their craft. I think he is clearly the best thing this team has going for it right now. And so maybe there is that sense of urgency of we can't rebuild because how much longer do we have Lundquist? Even if it's three more years, then that's your window because they don't really have another— Nobody has a goalie like him coming up through the system that you know is going to step in and be that good. Maybe somebody steps in and surprises them, but this is their window, and yet it's put them in an awkward spot. You
2: say he's, he's really the best thing they've got going, and to Jamie's point, is there, is there anything else on this roster? Some people will say Ryan McDonough probably, but are there elite pieces here to get you to that level beyond Henrik Lundqvist, and if, if he's in decline, whoa, you, you know watch they, out.
1: You know how they talk about players at the end of their career and they say, are, are they in the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Very Good? I feel like this Rangers team is just the yeah. all very good. I like a lot of their pieces. I think they could. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they could win a playoff series. I don't think they're a cup contender. I I, I think at, their that window has closed. And I know they're trying to keep it open. They're, they're they're bringing in VC. They're trying to prop it up with whatever they can. You know, just have a visual of of you know VC holding up
0: a, a sliding glass Norton. window. Well, well, Kevin I, Hayes would be helping him, obviously, because he helps him with everything.
2: Kevin Hayes <laughs> was in Alain Vigneault's doghouse last year. That's great. On the subject of doghouses, by okay. the way, I know there's this. You can't set up your own segue. I can't. Okay. Somebody else want to talk then? Speaking of doghouses, yeah, houses, let's talk about doghouses. Hey, now that you mentioned it, okay. <laughs> Hayes in the doghouse last year. There, there's some talk that Jimmy Vc needs to learn to play a little more physical than he than he does. It might get pushed around a bit in the NHL. Um, he may have some habits that Alain Vigneault might not like either. And then they added another guy in Brandon Peary who I know this, – this guy is the classic analytics guy. People are in love with this guy because based on the analytics. And then you read threads like, well, Alain Vigneault just needs to go in a different direction. He needs to adapt to a player like Brandon Peary. That kind of analysis drives me crazy. It's not going to happen It drives either. me crazy. But, and, and you, the, the argument, Well, Lane Vigneault is an old school coach. He doesn't get where the NHL is going. Come, give me a break. A guy who's been around the game as long as he has, you don't think a coach adapts? You don't think he's adopting different models? Of course he is. The numbers aren't telling the whole story here. Brandon Perry was in two separate coaches' doghouses before he came here. Joel Quenville didn't want him at all on the roster wanted them to get rid of him because of his defensive habits. There's something there beyond the numbers that he's not doing as a player that he'll have to do if he wants to be a significant contributor in New York.
1: Also, there are players you adapt for. You don't adapt for Brandon, period. <laughs> no, that's that's <laughs>
0: a fair point. Amen. And generally speaking, you don't adapt for any one player. I mean, you're coaching an entire team. So does he abandon everything he taught well, the other 20 I mean, guys? It's, it's,
2: it's almost like, oh, your philosophy is wrong. You need to understand that he can bring you things that you're not embracing right now. I he think. can bring you coffee. That's about what Brandon Peary can do at this yeah, point. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sold on that one. I, I know he's been a, a darling of the offseason, people saying he'd be an underrated signing. <laughs> Sorry, there there are really, really educated hockey people who don't think so.
0: Who on this team, and we already know Craig's answer is Brandon Peary, gets you excited? I mean, that's if you are if you are a Rangers fan, I, I'm guessing you're not going into the season saying, I'm just excited about Lundquist again. Yes, he's your best player, but... Is it VC just by the simple
1: fact that he's never played before? I I'm mean? excited by the fact that whatever line they put on the ice, it's going to be competitive. That's the—I mean, I know we've hammered this point home, but their depth is what to be excited about. That they're going to put out a line, and it's worth watching. But I don't think there's any individual play. I've—I've I've always thought Rick Nash's game's been overrated. I always thought that you know everyone liked to chalk up some of his struggles. Relative, I mean, relative. I mean, he's been, he's been a really good player, but I don't ever thought he was an elite level player. I, I just, there's nobody on that team aside from Lundquist, who would, and uh, there's a, some debate whether he's still elite anymore. I think he is.
2: Yeah.
1: But I, I'm excited that they have depth. I'm excited that they can win any game they're in, but there's no individual player because that's the one that's going to put us over the top.
2: Right. And the, Ra- the Rangers just feel to me like one of those teams, when you look throughout history, no matter the sport, that was really good for a period of time. But they never took that final step to be a great team, and I don't think they're capable of taking that next step to they're be a great They're a really team. good
1: team with no quarterback.
2: You have
0: you have nobody you can mm-hmm. lean on in key situations and say, this guy's going to get Take us a Take over goal. the game he's, for he's gonna, other, than other than your, your goaltender, goal. who, who can stop us from going in the net, yes. but Well, I mean, he's made it to the Stanley Cup. He's been, at times, almost unbeatable in Game 7s, but to have a goalie that had that streak going in Game 7 and to still not have a cup shows you that the rest of your team was lacking a little bit because you couldn't get to Game 7 in certain elimination points. Um Just back to the point on Rick Nash, forty-two goals, a career high forty-two goals, and this is a guy that's broken the forty-goal barrier three times now. uh, Just two seasons ago, but last year, yes, he missed games, but he scored fifteen. He didn't miss that many games.
1: He's that was an uncharacter. I mean, I know just said mean things about Rick Nash, but that's uncharacteristically bad season for him. But again, I don't think that's a. I know he scored a ton of goals, but I don't think that's the type of player that's a game changer. I don't feel, and again, this is this. This goes back to more feeling and watching them versus an analytics talk, but I don't feel like he takes over games. I don't feel like, you know, Keith Yandle's on the other side of the ice because of just the how those two things have worked out in their career, but I don't feel like, oh, Rick Nash has the puck on his stick, I have to be worried. Yeah. Like, I feel like when Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves or Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Cross, I, I don't feel like it's, the game doesn't feel more intense when Rick Nash has the puck on his stick.
0: Especially in the playoffs. I mean, that's where he's going to be defined. Obviously, he was on Columbus all those years, so he didn't get a whole lot of a, a taste of the playoffs. But, I mean, you, I just think back to the watching the Penguins last year on their run. When they played Tampa in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, when Jonathan Drouin touched the puck, you weren't excited as a Penguins fan. You were, you were worried that he was going to do something, whereas you're right. I mean, they played the Rangers in the first round, and they've lost to the Rangers however many times. And Rick Nash had the puck. You're like, he, he's in his own head. He really is. It's the playoffs, and he's overthinking it. And I'm sure some of that comes from playing in the market of the biggest market in the U.S. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think we're all on the same page with the Rangers here, and it's it is surprising given where they were even just two years ago that they've dropped off so quickly. Not
2: not to the bottom, but just kind of just above average. So this is a playoff team. Where I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. This is a playoff team. This is a team that can it can certainly win around. Lundquist can
0: take over I mean when you you say the Rangers could win a round but they're probably playing Pittsburgh or Washington in that first round so that's not just a little throwaway line of oh yeah they could just beat somebody but they might take out Crosby or Ovechkin so that's a big deal but I just don't think they have enough pieces to put
2: it together for four rounds to take out Crosby Ovechkin and then Tampa yeah and then get to the cup and take out Chicago or whatever you go again
0: yeah until you guys give me a better team to throw in there um, maybe in a year it'll be Las Vegas I guess we're going to preview the Las Vegas
1: I'd say I don't know what to call them
0: it's Gamblers? difficult oh no we can't do that no. something nice now you're going to have to edit that out alright let's uh, let us do exactly that the Las Vegas preview. Daily
1: Fantasy Sports Team <laughs> <laughs> Love the Las Vegas Hockey Team sponsored by DraftKings yes here we go or they can just go to soccer and just call them, like, Las Vegas It's like the Las Vegas HC this is the longest intro I've ever heard well I keep introing it and then Jamie just keeps jumping in <laughs>
0: All right. This is one. Uh, this is an interview we've been looking forward to for a while now. We're joined by Steve Carp of the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal. You can find him on Twitter at Steve Carp RJ. Talking some Las Vegas hockey. Steve, thanks for the time. We, we're looking forward to having you on here to talk about the Las Vegas. We don't know what they are. What, what, <laughs> do we know what the name's going to be yet?
3: Uh, they're the team with no name right now. So I don't know what Bill Foley's got up to sleeve, but. Uh, He thinks this is like a big, uh, big game of espionage or something. He, he, uh, I guess, is using his military training from West Point to uh, good advantage to try and throw everybody (laughs) off the trail of what the name of the team's going to be.
2: How about for you? Has has this name game as, as I asked you has this gone past cool, past somewhat interesting, and arrived at really annoying?
3: I just, I don't know if I'm annoyed so much because I, I really don't care what they call the team. <laughs> uh, that's more about for the fans. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm worried more about the guys who are going to wear the uniform than what the uniform actually is. Uh, I mean, what, what, what surprises me is that the way the whole process has been and how uh, the NHL's role in this thing and kind of telling them what they can and can't do. And yet, you know, they know all along he was getting a team. Where was the counseling then to help him have the name of the team? So when they announced (laughs) Vegas was joining the league from this June, they could have said, "We welcome the Las Vegas so-and-so's to the league." And Quebec City got its team they would have said well glad to have had the Quebec Nordiques back in the NHL because that's what the team would have been called so why wasn't Vegas given the same courtesy to say okay give us your name for your team and stuff and uh, that wasn't the case I think, I think Foley was trying not to ruffle the feathers of some of the owners by being presumptuous that he had the team already but uh, I think there was little doubt and when they started laying out the outline uh, of the rules for the expansion draft that Vegas was getting its teeth. I think at that point it would have been fair for no, the whole fully. all right, you have a name, what is the name? And if it's not, here's what it can be. So they, they missed an opportunity here is Yeah. All I'm saying. Yeah, you know, forget the sell of jerseys just to brand itself and get it out there. Uh, there was
2: some great opportunity. And as long as we're on that topic, I, I want to ask you, and we've, we've discussed this on the show as well, why is the NHL so hung up on a gambling-related name when that is the first, second, and third thing anyone thinks of when they think of Las Vegas? Uh,
3: You'd have to ask Jerry <laughs> that. every time I see him, I'm going <laughs> to Because, to me... You know, gambling is part of our lives Uh, Not just in Vegas, but everywhere I mean, the NHL just hired a company to track uh, The gambling aspects of of what goes on So uh, I'm a little mystified by that, to be honest with you uh, You know, it doesn't make sense If you want to call CB Aces I mean, it's more than a deck of cards It's, uh it has a second, you know, meeting, you know, in terms of minor pilots and, and stuff, just like, uh, you know, others have uh, double meetings, so I don't know, uh, I guess only Gary Pettin can answer that question, Maybe yeah. he, he thought it, it, it uh, tainted the the integrity of the league or something, by calling himself the, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. To me Aces was perfect because that I mean you, when you think of it, the black aces it's it's a it's a hockey reference anyway but all right we'll move past that there's something that I that I really been dying to ask you and I know Bill Foley really didn't have a choice in all this matter because he didn't have a coach he didn't have a GM he didn't have players anybody really to take the spotlight away from him but has he enjoyed being the face of the franchise franchise for a, a full year now really?
3: Yeah, I think he has. Uh, there's no question that voters uh, have egos. He definitely enjoys having a membership in that exclusive club of 31. And uh, and while he's not used to dealing with sports writers per se, he, he has a history of, of you know, dealing with the media and his other businesses and, and everything, so he's used to see his name out the, in the paper and on television and what have you, so, uh, and he is actually a very good guy, uh, I just think, uh, you know, this whole name thing is, is kind of rubbing a lot of fans the wrong way, and maybe uh, it's not great PR for the team, but uh, he himself, uh, um, he's been fine to deal with. Uh, it'd be nice if he wasn't misleading everybody on, on the names. And I keep coming back to this, but uh, you know, you're asking me about his uh, enjoying having the spotlight on him. Uh, apparently, he does. So uh, you know, and that's fine his. It's his team. It's his money, and he can do what he wants.
0: Steve, how much of a, an advantage uh, do you think it is to be the first professional team in town? We hear talk that maybe the Raiders will be there somewhere down the line, but you know, for hockey to be the first truly professional sport in Vegas right now, they've they've got the whole city to themselves for you know at least a year. Is that a, a big advantage for this group?
3: It is. It is and for several reasons. For starters, you you get an opportunity to brand yourself and then get allegiances built from, from uh, day one uh, this is the city's team and that's how they should market it uh, they're not uh, someone else's team and taking someone else's loyalties away They are, that's why he didn't want to relocate from somewhere else he wanted the expansion team they're going to make their history their own way and uh, also, they get first dibs on local sponsorships, which is important, and uh, and also building a fan base uh, from the inside out, if you will. The Raiders, should they come to Vegas, already have an established fan base all over the world, frankly, <laughs> and, and they would be going from the outside in and, and trying to cultivate fans in Vegas who already have legions to, you know, be it the the Chargers or the 49ers or the Cowboys or uh, the Bears, the Steelers, whoever. Uh, It's, as you know, Vegas is a a very hodgepodge type of city when it comes to allegiances to sports. Everyone just comes from somewhere else and they bring their allegiances with them. And, uh, So with the Raiders, it would definitely help to have someone in there before them uh, in terms of getting the fan base built up. And and I think they've done a good job in that regard.
0: So uh, along those lines, uh, do you expect the hockey team to to get a ton of local support first, or is it going to be 50-50 in terms of locals coming out, but also tourists that are there on the strip that might happen to be Kings fans or Rangers fans or whatever? I mean, they're going to lean on that a little too, right?
3: Well, I, I would think a lot of the, the 15,500 season ticket holders already have no allegiance to an NHL team. Like you say, it could be the Kings, it could be the Rangers, it could be um, the Blackhawks or, or the Red Wings or the Penguins or the Flyers. Uh, but in time, they will adopt... While staying no Names, is there <laughs> the troop chief? Uh, uh, you just let the
2: cat out of the bag, didn't you? It's the No Names, the, okay.
3: Uh, That's what they troop called the No Names. <laughs> okay. uh, and um, anyway, yeah, they they obviously are going to have mixed crowds on certain nights when when LA comes in, uh, when um, the Rangers come in, probably a lot of New Yorkers in Vegas who are very uh, loyal ranked fans. And, uh, you know, Blackhawks probably the same way with Chicago. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear what the crowd will be like at T-Mobile Arena on those nights. Even when the Canadian teams come I in, I'm sure uh, Vancouver, and Calgary, and Edmonton, and Toronto, and Montreal, and Ottawa, and Winnipeg will all be uh, having a lot of fans there. The trip to Vegas, especially in the dead of winter when you want to get out in the, the cold, and you know it's 60 degrees, and you wear shorts that day to the game. Uh, I think that would be very appealing to a lot of fans who are looking to travel to Vegas from these cold weather NHL cities. So uh, it'll. Uh, I think it'll take a little time, but uh, I think eventually Vegas will have developed enough of its own fan base that they will when you go to the game you'll know you're you're in a Vegas game and I'm in a, a Kings you
1: know home game or something you just mentioned the weather and all the stuff that surrounds Vegas as a destination for opposing teams fans how about opposing team players does Las Vegas become every free agent's preferred destination in five years
3: <laughs> you know it's funny I uh, who's it I asked at the awards show. I think it was Drew. Um, and, and I asked him about that. And I said, will, will players find it attractive to come here and play? And he said, it depends on the team and who the coach is and what their practice facilities." like. He was sort a few things. And they are going to build a beautiful practice facility, by the way, that it's going to have two sheets of ice, and it's going to have the team's offices upstairs, and uh, it will be the central place for the, for the operation. And uh, I think if they make it appealing enough for players, if they do a good job of selling the city, I think in time you will see it as a, a good destination for free agents. You know, you got to win, though players want to win the Stanley Cup, they want their name on the Cup, and while that's not likely to happen immediately uh, for Vegas, uh, I think maybe in time if the right people are making the right decisions, then uh, I think you will see some free agents take, take a shot and, and move their career to, to Las Vegas and uh, and try to help that team win
0: Steve in terms of, of marketing I mean, with this, this year to work with do you do you see the Vegas marketing team fully embracing Vegas and, and that sort of unique city or are they going to try and resemble uh, other maybe more old fashioned hockey markets or maybe somewhere between
3: I think it will be a mix Yeah, I think there will be some uniquely Vegas elements in, in the marketing in the game night presentation and, and I think there will also be a lot of uh, traditional NHL type uh, themes that are employed. You're not going to see a midnight hockey game. You're not going to see uh, strippers or something. You know, you're not going to see some of the things the minor league team did. You know, you're not going to have uh, Dick Cheney hunting last night you was know, the NHL team like they did with the minor
2: league team. I mean, was, that a, was that a full body test that they gave people then? They, they
3: actually <laughs> they actually wore jerseys that night that resembled the best. Wow. You know, after that, shot his friend on their... Uh, oh, good. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, all, all the zany things you do in the minors, the NHL doesn't right. let you do this. They're almost like the NFL in that respect. They don't want you to have too much fun <laughs> and, and make it an uh, enjoyable night. So your, your creativity gets tempered to a degree at the NHL level, but, uh, no, there's no reason that they can't, um, make it a fun night, I'm not saying you'll see showgirls on the ice, but, you know, they might have ice girls like they do in, in L.A. and a couple of other cities, uh, Anaheim, uh, or, you know, you'll, you'll see some Vegas things, I'm sure, I'm sure the pregame, uh, before the teams come on the ice will be pretty cool, and, uh, I would, I would imagine they're going to uh, try and make it uh, very unique so, so, and So, And some things, that uh, they'll be able to take advantage of the city's uniqueness. And some things, they're, they're simply going to have to out to the NHL's uh, way of doing stuff.
2: Okay. Steve, in your opinion, is it, at this point now, with all that's been announced, I know they don't have a team name yet and they don't have players yet, but is waiting a full year a good thing, or are people just getting antsy now and – not liking the prospect of waiting an entire year before they can see this team on the ice?
3: Uh, you know, it's a mixed bag. Some people I talk to wish they were playing now. They wish training camp was open. Some people think it's good to wait and, and see what, what takes place and not rush it and, and see if they can really put a good team together. Uh, you know, you look at the hockey operations staff. George McPhee is uh, has signed on and he's got some really good hockey people uh with Kelly McCriven is his assistant and he's got some very good scouts they keep hiring and guys with a lot of experience and, and there's a common thread that's running through here uh he's got mostly older guys who've been in the game a long time so I think you're you're seeing where they're headed in terms of what their vision is for what they want the team to be And I think they want it to be a tough team, a smart team, uh, a team that will be accountable on the ice and off of it. And uh, I don't know that you're going to see a whole lot of, I mean, there'll be some analytics in terms of trying to decipher, you know, talent and what have you. But uh, I'm not sure it's going to be the dominant factor in hockey operations.
1: What about a coach? You threw out a few names two months ago. Paul McClain, yeah. uh, Don, John Torchetti, Travis Green, Mike Kitchen, and the still-employed Claude Julien. You know,
3: What's the they sense of they when
1: they're thinking about in, hiring a coach? And
3: You know, they don't seem to be in a rush. Uh, McPherson said that uh, it won't be until the spring. I think it's smart to wait. Uh, you never know who's going to pop up. I used Claude Julian's name, I believe, uh, as someone to look at. In, in the event of Bruins, and he part ways, and if LA video were to part ways with the Rangers, I think his name would be one that you want to maybe take a look at. So, uh, I mean, there's are some good young coaches. I, I really like You know, Travis Green is the coach Utica uh, of the AHL with Vancouver's organization. I think he's a guy who's uh, on the rise who's going to be a, a star coach of the league someday. And, uh, but I think again, they they may they may want a more experienced hand, like a Mark Crawford type coach, or or, or something like that. Who's, you know, guy's been in the league and 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 has had experience and and things like that. So um, we're probably not going to know who the coach will be until uh, well into uh, the spring and the season is over or close to being over, uh, I would think maybe right around probably the time the playoffs are about to start or have started in the first round that uh, you'll see some movement on the coach
2: uh, for this team. Okay, Steve, uh, last question we want to ask you. It's sort of a three-part question. We know the NHL's plans for an expansion draft, which should, you know, in Gary Bettman's eyes, make Vegas competitive, although maybe not a playoff caliber team right away. Beyond that, have you gleaned any sense of George McPhee's philosophy in building this team? Do you get the sense that they want to build for immediate success, you know, on relative terms, or is it more long-term? And, and how long is that expected honeymoon period before you have to win?
3: Uh, I think in hiring George, I think Vegas' uh, Bill Foley is making a statement that he wants to win right away, that uh, he's not real patient. Uh, he doesn't want to wait 15 years or you know 20 years to compete for a Stanley Cup. He wants to be uh, he wants to be competitive, you know, in the first couple of years and, and build off of that. And so they're going to want to get guys who they feel you know can contribute right away. who are not at the end of their careers, and uh, and try and really you know build through the entry draft. As well as through free agency, you know it's a three-pronged process. You know, obviously, the expansion draft will be important. They will get some very good players. Uh, to me, the key will be the entry draft. Who, what young players they draft every year, and you know how many times do they hit it the right way with those guys? And uh, you know, they won't pick worse than I think it's six in the uh, in the entry draft. Uh, Next year. Somebody said it might be as early as fourth. There's no worse than fourth. But, you know, they could get the number one pick. Uh, so, obviously, uh, there would be uh, a great opportunity there to uh, get, get some you know, young talent in and, and everything. Because these first few years, they haven't made any bad trades yet, they haven't taken on any bad contracts yet. They have a full cap to work with. I mean, everything is there for them to have at least some success early on. So I think that's their philosophy. Uh, we're not going to wait. We do want it to, to last, and uh, they want to do it the right way. So they got the right GM. They, they've got some very good hockey people, like I said. So uh, at least the foundation that they're laying, next year appears to be a solid one so uh, to answer the question yeah I think they want to succeed right away will they uh, if they can do what the Panthers did that first year and be one game under 500 I think that would be pretty good if they could you know do what the Islanders did and you know within six to eight years you're playing for the Stanley Cup I think that would be really good but again um, those two franchises had Bill Torrey running things. And, you know, I'm not saying George McPhee's Bill Torrey, but he wouldn't be a bad guy for George to, to try to emulate. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, it's going to go by quick before you know it. Uh, it will be um, spring. We'll be talking about a coach. Hopefully, by then, the team will have a name. And, uh, we'll, uh, We'll
2: take it from there. Well, Steve, we
0: appreciate the time. Steve Carp of the uh, Las Vegas Review-Journal. Enjoy the next year and, and certainly enjoy having a uh, hockey in Vegas beyond that. Enjoy the rest of your sure. vacation
2: too, Steve. Thanks for joining us.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's uh, Steve Carp of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'll tell you what, when we were when Craig and I were in Vegas for the uh, NHL Awards, Steve was everywhere asking questions. I actually remember him asking Drew Dowdy that question, and uh, he asked a couple others uh, as well. Uh, you know, it's it's. I think the main thing that stands out to me, from that uh, interview is is the fact that they're kind of in not win now mode. you can't be an expansion team that comes in expecting to win right away. But you know he's reading into the fact that they hired George McPhee as a kind of uh, insight into the process of it'd be nice to win within a year or two, at least be a playoff team. I mean that's that's their goal. They're not necessarily on some five, six, seven, eight year plan. To to build with nothing but prospects, they seem like they they want to step right in. Now, who knows if that works or not? They're going to be in the Western Conference.
2: Yeah, that, that's one of many hurdles facing this team. I mean, I, you know, I I know we talk so much about the players that might be available, but if you're not looking for guys near the end of their career as well, it might be slim pickings in the expansion draft because that's going to be a lot of what you're seeing in the expansion draft, and then. You better have a great scouting staff in place. If you if you plan to compete within six to eight years, you got to drop players from the get-go that are going to help this franchise really quickly. Yeah. I mean,
0: the prospect it's, pool, it's, it's, that's the thing people overlook. When you're building a team from scratch, it's not like you're just getting somebody else's prospects. That's where it's really going to hurt. So, yeah. you know, on the one hand, you need to build up that prospect pool. On the other hand, maybe you do just go out and try and win right away and, and see what happens because it's not like you have, hey, we've got – the tenth-ranked group of prospects that we're going to slowly build from—they don't really have anything yet.
2: You know, and I—I wonder—I can't, I can't answer this definitively because Vegas is just this new animal that none of us really knows much about. It's—it's it's like the research is going to start now on what what it means to have a professional team in that market, a major pro team, anyway. Yeah. But I wonder if there is less pressure on them to win now because, first of all, there's no competition. Secondly. When you're in Vegas, it's just another show on the Strip, like we've talked about. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be well attended. They've sold the suites. I'm I'm, I'm not sure it's going to matter that much for a little while. They might have a little bit longer honeymoon than teams might ordinarily enjoy because of the unique qualities of that market, both in what it is and the fact that there are no other pro teams there. Yeah, and again, for the people that that haven't been to Vegas recently,
0: T-Mobile Arena is set up right on the Strip. But if you are a local that doesn't want to go to the Strip, you can just get right off the freeway and get right to it. I mean, yeah, it's a be- great location it's between yeah. New York, New York and the freeway. Mm-hmm. So if you can't miss it, you No, know, you can't the Monte miss Carlo it. is the cheap option. It's by the, the shiny way, thing in
1: your eyes. <laughs> yes. as you're, as you're driving down the freeway.
0: But I mean, if you want to if you're a local that I'm sure there are just people that have lived there their whole lives and they just have no interest in the Strip. I've talked to people that live there and they're like, look, I don't I don't go to the Strip. That's not the Vegas that I experience on a day to day basis. If they want to avoid the strip, they still kind of can. You can just get into the game and then get right back on the freeway. So that, to me, is where you're going to... That That's important because you don't want to alienate your local fans. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think they did a good job with the location of avoiding that.
1: And you just want to parlay the puck line with the over-under. It's right there.
0: Well, I'm going to be disappointed if they don't paint the slot machine on the ice in yeah. the slot. Uh, I mean, you have to do that, it right? It drives me
2: crazy. Again, I, I just think the NHL should completely embrace this. Yeah, it's,
1: it's for a league that partners with a daily fantasy sports outlet and for a league that I know it's technically not gambling and it's for charity that has a 50-50 raffle where somebody Did can pay PCs money to, to potentially... sport f- is
2: not in bed with, with gambling to some degree. None Come of them. They're all on. on. How yeah. funny yeah. so with have, that. Enough with the facade. So
1: you have the 50-50 raffle which really knows to goes to charity but you're paying a small sum of money for the potential to win a large sum of money based on chance. Interesting. I don't know what that sounds like to me.
0: I think it would be great if they had named their team the Las Vegas Nordiques and just, you know, just (laughs) kill two birds with one stone (laughs) at that. That would have been great. Then we have our name, yeah. That would have been, and then Quebec could just hate Las Vegas instead of other markets. Do you guys have anything else? Markets, yeah. Uh, They they can focus on a different. I got nothing else on Vegas. All right, we're gonna wrap up episode forty nine right now for Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan and Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.